Welcome back to another episode of Fun Views Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Pops. Today, we're interviewing Rob Frankfurt. Rob was an investment banker who turned activist investor. After a life-altering injury, he decided to focus on health and wellness investments, and specifically to tackle the growing chronic illness pandemic facing the U.S. and the world. Rob speaks about persistence and a little bit of luck leading to positive outcomes in life. He is actively raising for his new fund, the Living Fund, in order to make bigger investments and a bigger difference in the fight against chronic illness. So Rob, thanks for being on the podcast today and joining me. Um, did you want to tell me kind of how you got your start or, or what, what brought you into the world of finance and investing? Sure. Yeah. Uh, nice to connect. Um, I was in uh, college. I was in a six-year med program as a freshman, and I realized I didn't want to be a doctor. <laughs> so uh, I was like, wow, you know, that, was, that just kind of hit me. I think organic chemistry was the thing that let me know that I don't want to be a doctor. Uh, so uh, I ended up um, hearing about a program at University of Pennsylvania. So uh, I transferred over there, and a friend told me about Wharton, and uh, I said, all right, I'll try it. And I got into the Wharton undergrad program. And that sort of led me down the path towards getting my first job as an investment banker at Bear Stearns back in the 1980s. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And and so you didn't know kind of, I don't know, back then was Wharton um, tough to get into or or you just sort of um, transferred partway through your, your uh, med school or doctor's? You know, um, I basically got in because uh, <laughs> I was also on the wrestling team and ah. wrestling helped me to get in. I think it was hard to get into them then and it's probably next to impossible now. So mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of older people, uh, I'm 55, but a lot of old people say, uh, I can't imagine getting into the school that I graduated from today. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So um, what was kind of your favorite part at Wharton? What, is there any, um, you know, classes that, that really drove you into the investing landscape or, or any, um, any professors? Yeah, so uh, I both went to Wharton undergrad and I went to UCLA Anderson for grad school. <laughs> and throughout both of those programs, uh, I was always drawn to the entrepreneurial studies area and um, so taking classes, helping helping local entrepreneurs in Philly and L.A. build their businesses, I, I really I really felt like that was a much more connected experience uh, than a theoretical experience that some of the other classes were, were teaching. And um, to this day, I still I, I still believe that that's my mindset. You know, on, on a regular basis, I'm talking to entrepreneurs building businesses, and I'm helping them with capital and introductions and partnership opportunities and doing what I can to help them build their business with me being an investor. Got it. Yeah. And um, so what did you do after graduating? I guess it, you mentioned an MBA. Did you go straight into the MBA or did you take some time and, and work for a few years? Yeah. So after three years in banking uh, on Wall Street, I had a promising career, but I was not excited about what I was doing. So I quit <laughs> my job and I went traveling the world for two years. This is back in 1990 when the wall had just started to come down in, uh, in between Germany. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was an amazing time to be out on the road. Uh, mm -hmm. Met wonderful people. 
and started to understand about that balance between life and work. Uh, yeah, I imagine um, I imagine you didn't know what that was working in uh, investment banking for a couple of years. <laughs> I knew what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't until years later that I realized that work-life balance. And it came around uh, when I was running an, a hedge fund. I was an activist investor in the parent company of Lane Bryant, which was the largest plus-size retailer in America. Mm-hmm. And the takeaway, that the reasons for the investment had to do with capital allocation decisions and some of the parts analyses, and et cetera, et cetera. But the takeaway was the obesity epidemic and the related mm-hmm. chronic illness epidemic. And, um, and then in my own personal life, I tore my ACL doing jujitsu in mm-hmm. New York City. And uh, in preparing for surgery, uh, great surgeons, but... They couldn't answer a simple question, what from a lifestyle perspective can I do to improve my outcome? And out of those two experiences, uh, the first being recognizing there's this thing called obesity and chronic illness. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, sadly a big trend. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to find any public companies that I felt were really doing something about it. It was more about maintenance of status quo than prevention and reversal, which meant, which resonated more with me. So uh, out of those two experiences, I started from a life and work perspective, uh, looking at lifestyle approaches to health and wellness. And as I came closer to it, I started investing in some of the companies I was coming across. Very interesting. And, um, and so at that point, um, you know, you kind of, as you said, use your activist um, investing knowledge to, to sort of move into that wellness and, and healthy lifestyle investing um, what, what did you, um, do in between? Is there, you know, you just went straight from the, um, activist investing into, into investing in these companies outside yeah. of the, yes, yeah, uh, so a number of things. Uh, um, I worked with another hedge fund. I sat on boards of companies, uh, which I really enjoy doing. Um, mm-hmm. but it's when I started to dig into, uh, lifestyle health and wellness that are really that really just grabbed my attention and and I, and honestly i think it, it was a, a fulfillment of that dream to become a doctor when i was 18 yeah uh, i'm not a doctor but uh i am working in the healthcare space and i feel like it, it in a more meaningful way uh yeah helping early stage businesses like uh a parsley health to uh bring functional medicine to the masses uh the, mm-hmm. When I met the founder of Parsley Health, they were operating out of a single location in a WeWorks facility in, in lower Manhattan. And now they're nationwide telemedicine focusing on primary care as well as uh, chronic illness. Um, and their, their, their method, their belief completely resonated with me. So not only am I an investor in them from an angel round up until the mm-hmm. B round, I'm also um, a patient. And I've learned a ton from being a patient to theirs. Interesting. So um, when you say you were invested in the angel round, did did you run a fund at that point? Were you raising capital for that? Or was it your personal investment, um, you know, just that it resonated with you so much that you kind of put your money where your mouth was? Yeah, so that's a good question. I, I, I That was personal money. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, I just made my 15th investment in this arena uh, over the last four years. 
Uh, they've all been personal funds, uh, but I've mm-hmm. also shared some of the ideas with friends and family uh, and just the overall network that I have. And uh, at the moment, I'm actively out uh, raising a fund, the Living Fund, to Great. focus on taking what I've been doing the last four years and truthfully the last 30 years and uh, being able to put more capital to work. Uh, we're still early days in health, in a healthy lifestyle and yeah. b- being a, you know, the, the future of, of healthcare and medicine. And, you know, the most recent Lavongo Teladoc merger announcement, mm-hmm. uh, the multiples and the valuation of both companies, uh, there's going to be an appetite on wall street and other investors to see more of these kind of deals. Uh, I still think we're early days. There's not enough big companies, but they will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you, um, by talking to, you know, investors and, and friends, family, um, does it, do you think it really resonates with them, the sort of impact investing aspect of it? Or, or um, you know, do you think that resonates with Wall Street? Because traditionally, I think it's it's always been about profit, right? And it's if you look at public companies, it's about can you make money? But that doesn't mean you can't also do something to change the world for the better, uh, I would imagine. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think I think it resonates with some people on Wall Street and some investors, mm-hmm. uh, especially those that have been touched by chronic illness. The numbers are staggering in terms of how many people are impacted by chronic illness, including yeah. cancer and heart disease and strokes and, 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 and COPD and uh, diabetes, you, you name it. Uh, mm-hmm. COVID, uh, there's an argument that that's a lifestyle uh, chronic, you know, it's a, it's a, a lifestyle illness. It's most impacting people that are de- economically disadvantaged, that have uh, mm-hmm. high cortisol levels and, uh, or, and uh, are obese. Uh, they have yep. worse outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. So, so what do you see for the for the next little while, are you, um, how do you find these companies, I guess, is a, is a better question. Uh, Parsley Health, for instance, how did you come across them or, or you know, through research or, or just people you knew? Yeah. As I was talking to you earlier, Greg, we were talking about persistence and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it start. It, it's just a chain of events. I was talking with a celebrity chef and a celebrity functional medicine doctor, about a restaurant concept, but I personally don't, I don't really like the restaurant space. I'm <laughs> yeah. really impressed with uh, with both of them, but uh, particularly the, the functional medicine doctor. So I started to dig into what is functional medicine, and you know, got more knowledgeable about it, and asked some friends I had in the, in this in my network. Um, it was a limited network at first, but it's 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 grown dramatically over the recent years. Um, mm-hmm. But one of my friends introduced me to a friend. I started talking to him about his business. I liked him, but I didn't really, from a business model, I just didn't really sense where the opportunity was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't a doctor. So before I hung up the phone with him, I asked him, who, who is his doctor? And it was Parsley Health. So uh, I, I love asking that last question before I get off the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, um, you know... It can, I guess, once you find that first, as you as you mentioned, persistence. Once you find that first sort of company, it's in that space, and as you said, the space isn't that big yet. Um, you're sort of, you know, get referrals. I'm sure along the way. 
Yeah, absolutely. So now, now that I have Parsley Health and Aura and some of the other names in my portfolio, mm-hmm. uh, they're recognized names. They're names that companies want to meet to potentially partner with. They're names that investors want to connect with because maybe they can get in, become investors in. So uh, I'd say at this point, despite not having a fund yet, I've been invited into certain rounds of deals that I probably wouldn't otherwise get into. Um, yeah. Also one of the motivations of raising a fund because I, I, I have a lot more opportunity than I have capital to put to work. So I want to change that dynamic. Yeah, definitely. And you can make, therefore make a bigger impact, right? And with, with more dollars to, to put to work. Absolutely. And, you know, my view is uh, there's an argument, political argument about who pays for healthcare. And yeah. it's my view that no matter who pays for healthcare, they'll eventually be bankrupted by the cost of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Unless we also include opportunities for people to make lifestyle changes. Uh, type 2 diabetes is an example. It's a reversible, preventable illness mm-hmm. in many cases. And if given tools and access to the right foods and the right education around it, uh, within three to four weeks, people can actually start reversing their type 2 diabetes. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's things that we know or most people know, right? Or maybe most people don't know, I guess, is, is, is the other flip side of that one. But, um, you know, maybe maybe part of it is is education, right? But but also part of it's you know, w- what products can we build that that incentivize people to take care of their own health as opposed to go to the doctor and they'll fix it. Yeah, that's typical. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I'm in my fifties, and mm-hmm. a lot of my friends uh, they, they don't really pay attention to it much until one day at forty eight or fifty or fifty two. The doctor says uh, you need to start taking medicine. <laughs> usually, gets he gets more medicine, and they literally just say, "Okay, what should I do?" The doctor tell me to do it, and uh, yeah. that's never been my mindset. Uh, I'm the son of a doctor, so I have a lot of respect for doctors, and I do believe there's definitely a big part of the solution, but yeah. I, there's a lot more to it than just that. Yeah, great. So. Got to ask, kind of, what's the most challenging thing you've had to overcome in your career? I know, um, you know, this could be a big open-ended question, but uh, maybe there's more than one challenging, challenging thing that you've had to overcome. Uh, yeah, so I've done a lot of work in the last five plus years around the, the emotional, around my emotional health, mm-hmm. uh, f- finding a venue to vent out my feelings, but becoming comfortable and confident in myself. Um, I liken myself to somebody that has had success despite myself. I've almost done my work with one hand tied behind my back. And that's not a braggy thing to say. It's more of like, wow, you know, I've just been holding myself back. And so the work I've done uh, to believe in myself and to understand the importance of my message and to remove my ego from the process allows me to talk to anyone and everybody with the same positive spirit. And it's led to more and more doors opening up. So it's really just the power, power of positive thinking versus uh, just blaming and blaming others and, and coming up with reasons not to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so beyond that, what's um, maybe we get into some of these investments, seeing as how they're, they seem pretty interesting. Um, what are some of your favorite investments you've, you've made 
kind of uh, through, throughout the years, both in the in this space and, and outside of it? Yeah. So, uh, gosh, there's so many. I just made <laughs> I just made my fifteenth investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still in stealth, uh, but it's a it's a, a, a personalized digital therapeutics device that helps to measure proteins and hormones, and it can dramatically change how we go about managing our health instead of waiting to do like an annual blood test. Yeah, we don't even know or really understand what the results mean. Uh, some of this testing can allow you to do it real time uh, at home or on the road without any challenge or, or and, and, and a lower cost. Uh, I mentioned Parsley Health. Uh, I mean, I love that investment. Um, I What I love about them is that, yeah, it started out as a 1% solution, mm-hmm. um, but the founder, Dr. Burzen, understood that she could take what a 1% solution is and eventually get it to be uh, a solution for the masses. And, you know, hopefully in due time, you know, the price point that she's providing these services at are, 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 are unbelievably good priced relative to just a few years ago when you had to spend thousands of dollars to see a functional medicine doctor of any value. And, mm-hmm. and now it's way cheaper. And m- I'm hoping that insurance, and I think it's going to happen sometime soon, insurance is going to start reimbursing for these types of visits in network, understanding that prevention mm-hmm. is worth a heck of a lot more than treating the illness after they've already had it. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I'm Canadian. I come from a background as a universal healthcare system. And um, I always ask myself, well, why don't they subsidize more preventative sort of measures or, or healthy lifestyle, right? If you subsidize all, you know, gym memberships, for instance, or, um, you know, team sports and, and, and things like that, that help people stay active and, and healthy, subsidize maybe healthy food choices or organic foods, then at the end of the day, you got to, if you look at the numbers, I'm sure you'd see that it costs less money than you know, the government shelling out these millions and billions of dollars on, on, uh, react reactionary healthcare services, like as for things like type two diabetes. Yeah, absolutely. The case, uh, the challenge is what is a healthy lifestyle? And there's so many yeah. angles and views of it. And then there's also a whole infrastructure of marketing around it. Like is organic mac and cheese really healthy for you? <laughs> right? Just yeah. organic. Yeah, no, it's not. And uh, but I'm an eighty twenty guy. You know, I'll still eat mac and cheese from time to time. But the truth is, is uh, it's not a healthy uh, dish. And just because it says organic, uh, doesn't make it healthy. Um, but that's the thing. You know, even if you are open to living a healthier lifestyle, uh, there is a lot of uh, conflicting messages being thrown at people. Yeah, it makes sense. So for I know we've touched on Parsley Health a few times, but what can you tell for our listeners? Do they actually do? What's their actual product or service that they're providing for, for um, as you said, for the not the one percent, but for the masses? Yeah, so uh, it's it's you know it started out as a uh, a doctor's office in New York, and uh, we helped to we helped them to expand into L.A. and San Francisco markets. And uh, just in 2019, uh, good timing prior to COVID, they raised a bunch of money to go nationwide using telemedicine. 
And uh, so they've been really well equipped and well prepared for what's been going on in the last few months. Uh, it's a primary care practice, but it's also a practice focused on fighting chronic illness. So if you're a, a diabetic, if you're suffering from digestive issues, uh, there's a whole myriad of, of chronic illnesses that they help to fight. You can either go to their live office or you go uh, and visit a doctor you know, via Zoom. And the first visit's an hour and 15 minutes, and then each subsequent visit's 30 minutes. Uh, there's a detailed onboarding of your entire medical history. It's detailed, but it's not burdensome to fill it out. And then it's there forever on your electronic record. You don't have to keep doing it every time you go to a doctor's office. Uh, and then after every doctor's visit, you have a functional nutritionist follow up with you to help give you suggestions based on what your doctor and you talked about. And it also includes a lot of blood testing. So mm-hmm. that you can really stand and, and, and genetic testing. So uh, it's just amazing things that I've learned. Uh, what is genetic in my life? What is lifestyle? What are things I can change? What are things that I may be able to slightly change, but it's, you know, it's wired pretty hard in me. So uh, great. Yeah. So- sounds kind of like a, a mix between technology, um, you know, your traditional doctor visits and a nutritional sort of uh, side to it as well, where, where they're sort of giving you an all encompassing view instead of just, you know, here's what'll fix this 3% problem that you have. Absolutely. You know, another investment I made is in a company called Aura, O-U-R-A. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a ring. Um, I got into it because I really believed in, you know, to me, it's food, then sleep, then things like exercise. Yeah. Uh, all built on an emotional wellness platform. You know, if you're, if you're not doing well emotionally, uh, none of those things are really going to help you too much. But uh, mm-hmm. uh my sleep improved 20% since I started wearing my Aura ring. And it's not just only because of the ring. It's also because it's an accountability partner. It really, it, every day you're able to track how you're sleeping. And it gives me the incentive to get that extra hour of sleep in the morning. You know, yeah. uh, if I'm still tired and I do have some time, I know I'm going to benefit from getting that extra hour of sleep. And each day, if you do that, by by after six months or a year, you'll see, wow, my sleep has really dramatically improved. Um, There was a side feature to it around wellness having to do with body temperature measurement, heart rate, heart rate variability, and respiratory rate, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as tracking your your active activities. Um, But since the time of coronavirus, they started doing a study with uh, a few different universities uh, and one out of West Virginia uh, determined with 90% accuracy that they can measure coronavirus symptoms up to three days before they, uh, wow. they, they show, they appear. And so now the NBA and the WNBA are partnered with them and they're giving each of their players and employees the opportunity to wear the ring while they're in the bubble. Wow. Wow. That's, that's definitely, uh, talk about timing. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you get lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, um, among it, it must've taken someone to notice the the trends in that data as well. So some part of it's luck, I'm sure, but also part of it's like, you know, knowledge and, and, and looking for things like that. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, as I mentioned earlier, coronavirus is a lifestyle illness. It impacts people most, uh, yeah. most vulnerable. And, 
the businesses I invest in are helping to reduce those vulnerabilities. And yeah. so my hope is from this coronavirus that we just don't take a pill to overcome it and then just keep living our life. Uh, that as a society, we do our best to actually change how we live our lives and make it available to everybody. Great. So what's, uh, what's next? You said you're raising for the living fund, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, right now I'm putting together a summary of terms and I'm talking to my network of investors to get a soft circle. And then I plan on going out to family offices to round out the round. And I hope to be investing in with more scale, uh, later on this year. Great. And, um, so do you think it's, these investments are typically longer term, I imagine like five to 10 plus years or, um, yeah. So, uh, my earliest investment was in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was, uh, up, uh, upward farms, which is a vertical aquaponic grower of greens and seafood. Uh, they just raised a substantial a round. I think, I think that they're going to, you know, they're still early days. Uh, yeah. I think there's a huge upside for that business as well. As for sure. That whole industry is, is to me so intriguing um, to see, you know, hydroponic and vertical farming, I, I think is definitely um, has, has a huge upside in the U S. Yeah. And I'm, this, this, this group is so bright and so capable and I was so happy to see them raise the capital. Uh, not only because it helps me as an investor, but I get, I get to see their actual model be, be brought to fruition. Like I believe yeah. what they're doing. And so uh, now we'll get to get to see it. And uh, so to answer your question, yeah, they are long-term investments. But I think as this industry matures, mm-hmm. look, I was in the hedge fund industry in the early 90s, and I saw how it matured uh, to where it is today. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes these things take time. And uh, so I, th- I still think uh, we're early days with lifestyle, health, and wellness. But there's going to get momentum uh, with more money coming into the space and more opportunities to invest and then more opportunities for exits. Great. Well, um, let me ask you this. What, what would you tell kind of your younger self or someone in, you know, the position you were in investment banking or, or trying to, trying to, um, build a fund and, and if they're interested in health and wellness, how would they, how would they look to get involved in that, that space? Is there anything outside of the fund? Obviously venture is huge, but is there any, any other sort of avenues that, that you could, you could take? Yeah. You know, I'm regularly reached out to by younger people who really love what I'm doing and they're interested in getting involved. Um, and I'm open to talking to them and we chat and then they kind of fall off. <laughs> and, and it's what we talked about earlier. It's persistence. It's yeah. like, if you really do want something and care about it. Don't fall off. If you make mm-hmm. contact, whether it's me or anybody else, uh, you know, there's a balance, right, between <laughs> being persistent and being <laughs> annoying. So For sure. You, you got to figure that out. But, uh, but if you really, if you think you have value to add, uh, then find an opportunity to, to offer that value. Uh, and then just keep building the network, you know, like resources like LinkedIn, which is, I think, where we met. Yep. It's just amazing. It's just amazing what, you know, when I come across an interesting business that I read about in an article, first thing I do is I find who the CEO of the company is on LinkedIn and I send that person a message. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now I have some track record. And so they want to meet with me possibly, they're maybe raising money. 
but the truth is, is like, that's how you build a network. You just keep reaching out to people and, um, and be a value add, just like what you're doing, you know, doing this podcast. That's a value add. You get people the opportunity to, to bring out their voice. Yeah, absolutely. Gets, you know, gets everyone involved and everyone learns more about, you know, whatever areas they're interested in. I know, um, you know, speaking about persistence and reaching out to people, I, you know, how I found you on, on LinkedIn, I literally just went on LinkedIn and searched for funds and founder <laughs> and then looked for people with interesting uh, biographies or in- interesting um, backgrounds. And so, you know, looking for podcast guests, that's, that's, the type of stuff that you have to do is go out there and kind of find these, these niche little areas. But, um, there's all these, you know, all that, all of the people out there, all, all of the, you know, whether it be professionals looking to raise for a fund or, or, um, or looking for investments or, or, um, you know, young professionals looking for the next chapter or, or students. I think that that lesson is, is really key where they can, literally just go out there and research, you know, and the internet didn't exist, you know, 30 years ago, the way it does today, where everything's at their fingertips and, and our fingertips still, you know, say theirs, but it's also ours. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. Uh, you know, when, 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 when people reach out to me and they're starting out their career, it's always easier if they're living a healthy lifestyle themselves and mm-hmm. some of the things that I'm interested in. Because then it's just a meeting of the minds. It's uh, it's it's two people from the same tribe talking to each other. One <laughs> yeah. might be older than the other. Uh, so if that's something that someone's interested in, if they're if they're really not interested in healthy lifestyle, and uh, then it's probably not the area for them to, to be involved in. So to answer your question even further, it's like find something you really care about. Um, but the truth is, every experience, even bad experiences, are, are invaluable. So. I got, I got tons of really bad experiences too in my life. <laughs> well, maybe that's a question, right? I, I was just thinking, um, you know, what, what's some of the, uh, what, what's some of the investments you, you didn't like or, or even walked away from, you know, uh, I'm sure you've seen a number of health and wellness, even investments that, that didn't really resonate with you and you had to walk away from. Yeah. So when I'm looking to invest in a company, we'll, we'll talk about the health and wellness space, but sure, um, I may come across an interesting business that may have good prospects, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the CEO may not resonate with me. Uh, I may not, you know, the, the sense of smelling the money, like they may be theoretical and very technical or skilled in some way, but maybe I may, maybe they're not capable of raising capital or maybe there's a trust factor. I don't feel like they'll have the investors back when, uh, you know, when the, when the S hits the fan. So yeah. uh, there, there's gotta be like, is this person honest and trustworthy and capable? Do they believe in themselves? And are, are they emotionally in a healthy place? Uh, a lot of these people are younger. So there's that, that's asking a lot for a young person to have all of those. So you also have to see where they're going to grow into. So there's a fair amount of projection in it. Um, truth is, do I look forward to having another conversation with this person? Do I feel like I want to help this person out? That's been some of my best investments is when I meet a person like that. I'm like, I want to be on this team. And they yeah. either they want me to be on their team, not just because I bring capital, but because we come at life with a with a similar mission. Yeah, and maybe that maybe you can also um, speak more to the activist side. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that once you invest in these companies, that's not the end of your uh, of the value add that you can you can bring to the table, right? Right. So look, when I was an activist in the public markets, uh, I, I, I unfortunately focused on 
businesses that were struggling, uh, but that I thought had good assets. And they were probably struggling because their management wasn't so great. And yeah. my takeaway is don't do that. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm not really in the markets, the public markets uh, anymore. But uh, the truth is, it's really about the entrepreneur and the team they're assembling and the capital they're raising and who else they're partnered with and what their vision is. So it really is about that capability of that entrepreneur to, to build out. So I no longer look for meddling average uh, <laughs> management, which makes it so it does. It sounds so logical, right? But yeah, it just took me a little while to get there. Uh, Great. So when, when it, as it relates to activism, yeah, so I'm not an activist in the sense that, you know, the way I used to be historically. Now the activism is around the idea that there's this giant challenge in America and the rest of the world around chronic illness. We can't mm-hmm. insure it. It's leading to these pandemics or worsening pandemics. And I don't think it ends with coronavirus. It's just this is the next step. So eventually we're going to have to get there. And so that's my activism. It's like, all right, this is what I see as the future. Now, how can I help be part of the solution? Because I don't like living in the problem. I like living in the solution. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, um, anything else on uh, the Living Fund you want to add in before uh, we wrap it up? Sure. Uh, the website is living.vc, uh, living.vc, and there you'll see the companies we've invested in, our presentation, and a little bit more information on us. So if you're interested, reach out. Great. Well, thanks again, Rob, and, and for being on the podcast. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Greg. Pleasure to mine. And that's it for today's show. I hope you found it insightful and entertaining. If you did, give us a like, follow, or subscribe on your favorite streaming or social media platform at Fun Views Podcast or funviewspodcast.com. Till next time.